0: Welcome to Regeneratively Speaking, a podcast brought to you by the Wake Forest Institute for Regenerative Medicine in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I'm Katherine Drinketh, here with my co-host,
1: Joshua Huntsberger. In each episode, we bring you interviews with guest researchers and our institute's faculty covering the latest cutting-edge research on regenerative medicine.
0: Our guest today is Dr. Arnold Kaplan. Dr. Kaplan is the director of the Skeletal Research Center and professor of biology at Case Western Reserve University.
1: And his research is focused on mesenchymal stem cells. Hi, Dr. Kaplan. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. So your research focuses on mesenchymal stem cells and their potential for therapy. Could you give us a brief overview of your current research in this area?
2: Well, it covers a variety of diseases and organ systems, and the central theme uh, is to understand how MSCs, uh, mesenchymal stem cells, is a historic name. What I'm going to discuss is actually the functioning of these cells inside your body naturally. And what happens is that these cells are situated on every single blood vessel in every organ and tissue in your body. And when that blood vessel is injured or inflamed, the pericyte, perivascular cell, comes off and becomes an activated MSC. The MSC does two things. It inhibits your very overaggressive immune system from sensing and interrogating the injured tissue. And so it's your first line of defense against autoimmune reactions setting up. And secondly, it helps the tissue slowly regenerate itself in a process that involves what the tissue itself can do normally. And so these cells help to manage your innate capacity to regenerate tissues. Five-year-olds do it great, (laughs) 50-year-olds do it less great, and 80-year-olds have lots of trouble. And that's because They have fewer and fewer MSCs, which I call medicinal signaling cells, because what they do is make drugs signal the tissue to take care of itself and take care of business uh, where there are injuries or problems. Great. So I know that you have
1: founded one company, Osiris Therapeutics, and that this focuses on MSC science and clinical applications of cell therapies. I was wondering if you could tell us how that developed out of your lab.
2: It's been known for centuries, from dating back to Aristotle, that marrow contains special elixirs um, which help orthopedic tissues to repair themselves, bone in particular. And so orthopedic surgeons have known for years that if you put a little bit of marrow in a reconstructed site, it adds a little zip to the reactions. And so the theories of the day were that marrow contained a stem cell that gave rise to bone or cartilage forming cells. And indeed, there was really good data to show that that's the case, and that's why the orthopedic surgeons use this in, in trying to reconstruct skeletal tissues. It turns out that in marrow, there is a stem cell, which I call the mesenchymal stem cell, which, when properly treated, could make bone, or could make cartilage, or could make tendon, or could mm-hmm. make ligaments. And so I worked on isolating these cells from marrow, putting them onto a Petri dish, getting them to divide without losing this fabulous capability of differentiating into these different tissues, skeletal tissues. And so we formed this company called Osiris Therapeutics with the idea that it would be a bio-orthopedic company used for tissue engineering, the reconstruction of various skeletal uh, or orthopedic related tissues. It turns out that we further showed that these cells were making these powerful drugs that help mute the immune system and help you regenerate tissue and today worldwide there's over 380 clinical trials, using MSCs, these are listed on a website called clinicaltrials.gov, if you use mesenchymal stem cells in their search engine, but most of the trials are uh, to use these cells as medicinal, organizing agents, not in the tissue engineering of skeletal tissues. I'm still supported, I have to say, to try to figure out how to use these cells for cartilage repair, and, and we're actively doing that with uh, your tax dollars. But it's gonna take a few more years for us to figure that out. But meanwhile, the fact that these cells have huge therapeutic potential for Crohn's disease, for MS, for ALS, for um, diabetes, for a variety of medical conditions actually have changed the focus of my research career and interests. Great.
0: Dr. Kaplan, can you take a moment to highlight one or two of the 380 current clinical trials based on MSC therapies or discuss the clinical applications of your research?
2: So several years ago with a colleague, Dr. Robert Miller, we used These MSCs in an animal model of MS, and we saw that these cells could cure the MS in that animal model, and we documented that the demyelinated nerves that are the big problem in MS were being remyelinated, and and therefore the mice were being cured, not just helped, not just muting the disease, but curing them. And based on this animal data, preclinical data, with colleagues at the Cleveland Clinic and at university hospitals in Cleveland, we've just completed a phase one clinical trial in which 25 patients have been treated with their own marrow-derived MSCs to try to show that they worked curing their MS. The trial's finished, the data's being analyzed, and I'm, I'm sure in the next few months there'll be a public announcement by the physicians who treated these patients with regard to the outcome of this clinical trial. Of course, we're very optimistic about the effects that these cells in these people, their own cells, how they're going to affect their disease progression.
0: In your seminar today, you mentioned a research collaboration with a urology department studying urinary incontinence in a mouse model following damage to the urethra. Can you discuss this project?
2: Yes, every woman who delivers the baby vaginally has this huge head coming down the birth canal and it invariably injures this tube that comes from the bladder to the exit port. And that, that tube, the urethra, is often a problem because if this doesn't get better very quickly after the birth of the baby the projection data is that 85 percent of those women by the time they're in menopause will have urinary incontinence that have leakage of urine uncontrolled leakage of urine and probably have to wear pads their whole life this can be modeled in rodents and by injuring the urethra. And it turns out that if you give these animals, either locally or systemically, MSCs, the MSCs go to the injured tissue and cure it of its injury. So a mouse, for example, which has urinary incontinence, is cured within four days of getting human MSCs. And again, although everyone would say you can't put human cells in a mouse, because MSCs put up this curtain of molecules that inhibit the immune system from seeing them, it also works in a mouse. And so now my clinical collaborators at University Hospitals in Cleveland are writing an IND which will be submitted to the FDA to establish an investigator-initiated clinical trial to try to cure urinary incontinence. Both. Uh, very early after a woman delivers and they're also going to try it on women who have pronounced urinary incontinence to see if this works. I can tell you that um, there are some case studies of both urinary and fecal incontinence, which are muscular problems, being cured by MSC preparations. So we're very optimistic about using this uh, the only other options women have is a hugely invasive surgery to try to take that tube and get it to go through a bridge of tissue so that the tube is always uphill so nothing will leak out and this is uh, the only option many of those women have a, a horrible operation, and B, it's for sure not 100% successful. So this would be a revolutionary clinical use of for women who suffer from this ailment. It would have a psychological effect Absolutely. beyond beyond what people would be able to make from it financially. Yeah,
1: definitely. Along these lines of clinical trials and being able to advance some of these treatments very readily, I know that you have a paper coming out that addresses a progressive approval process. Could you concisely tell us a little bit about the main points?
2: Yeah, the FDA requires these technologies to go through a phase one, phase two, phase three process which is qu- quite useful for drugs but probably not so useful for cell-based therapies. and so my collaborators and I have proposed the following progressive approval process. First of all that a clinical trial be held to prove that the cell-based therapy is safe. Second, once it's safe we would ask that the regulatory agency FDA or European or wherever approve the product uh, so that the users would pay for this product like any other approved product, but that uh, all of the outcomes of the use of these uh, cell-based therapies be monitored for very long time periods and all of the outcome data that's obtained from physicians be entered in real time on a publicly accessible website so all of us could see the data. When it becomes statistically significant, then the regulatory agency could approve the claims that would be made by the company and therefore they could advertise etc but we would like to see these outcomes monitored for five to ten years and in this case if there's any problems that arise either during the clinical trial or within the five to ten year time frame we'll find out about that because it'll be all on this publicly accessible website and the advantage is that not only will I be watching that website but a lot of other scientists and clinicians likewise and so to figure out things that go wrong uh, you would have the whole society actually providing their expertise and although MSCs are in 30 to 50,000 patients to date and there's been no reported adverse events You give it to a million people, they're going to be problems. We want to know what they are, and we want to be able to help solve those problems. And and this is a a process that would get this clinically relevant material to patients much faster and also allow small companies that invent these fabulous cell-based therapies to not have to have hundreds of millions of dollars of investment in order to do a Phase three clinical trial.
1: Great. That's a, that's a fascinating approach and I hope it gains traction. I was also wondering if you could comment on what you see as the next big developments in the field of regenerative medicine in, in say, the next 10 years.
2: This may sound like hype, but you know, today if somebody in rural North Carolina has a heart attack, helicopter comes and picks them up and takes them to a major medical center closest to that individual. If in five years or 10 years, somebody has a heart attack, they're gonna get in their car, drive a mile to the urgent care center down the road a piece and get a bag of cells that get hooked up to their blood system and that'll be the treatment. And so if uh, MSCs are the new medicine, they're gonna be easily dispersed and they're going to change the way health care is managed in a real practical sense. It's not to say that these cells are going to do everything and are the magic elixir, but if they work the way they do on animals, on humans, the practitioners are going to have this in their arsenal. And although insulin helps with diabetes and nitroglycerin helps with heart pain, neither of those drugs can cure those two ailments where stem cells have the potential so I think you're gonna see uh, cures for some of the diseases or at least partial cures. Maybe you have to go in uh, once a year and get a booster shot but who would object to that once you've had a heart attack or MS.
0: What advice do you have for young scientists who are interested in the field of regenerative medicine or those who are in the field but need guidance towards research projects.
2: Well, what I tell all of the starting undergraduates in my lab or graduate students or even postdocs, the chances of them getting a Nobel Prize based on their thesis work is small. It's not zero. Actually, there are one or two examples of PhD theses that have actually ended up as Nobel Prizes. Not so usual. And so the object of any training experience is to get really good experience and to have really good mentors to teach you the art of science and also, you know, those of us who are doing it, we love what we're doing, and we we hope we impart that on young people so they're infected with the same craziness that keeps us doing (laughs) these kinds of experiments. And and again, a solid training experience with really good people at really good places can't be beat. And I think that that's uh, all you can ask for a master's, a PhD, or even a postdoctoral position. And, And the second part of that is, it turns out when I started working on MSCs, my esteemed colleagues didn't believe that there were these kinds of cells in your body. And so it's always great to be right, but you have to be persistent. And whether you're gonna go into business or you're gonna go into academics, no matter, or or into law or whatever, to be right and to be persistent is what uh, allows accomplishments to happen.
0: Dr. Kaplan, today you talked about treatments versus cures. You said insulin is used to treat diabetes, but regenerative medicine has a possibility to offer a cure for this disease and others. Can you elaborate on this idea?
2: So, hundreds uh, hundred years ago, we were physicians ground up dog pancreases and gave the ground up dog pancreas to diabetics. It worked. Then we got very sophisticated and we used purified pig insulin with diabetics. And and now we're very hugely sophisticated. We're using recombinant molecular techniques to use human insulin with people. And there's a guy at Case Western Reserve, Mike Weiss, who just invented a new insulin that when you put it into the bloodstream, it sticks around for three days. So I would say with regard to regenerative medicine, we're at the the grind-up-the-pancreas stage. So the sky's the limit as we get more sophisticated and as we learn what the key components are to successful treatment protocols, all of this will evolve into more sophisticated, more refined, more controlled treatment protocols. So people don't have to shoot up every meal with insulin, there are automatic pumps that sense the amount of glucose in your bloodstream and then deliver insulin. So our hope the Kaplan crystal ball is (laughs) that by progressing and working hard and by using cell-based therapies we're gonna figure out all of the modalities of their action and develop new treatment protocols which are as sophisticated as a pump which senses glucose in the bloodstream and delivers insulin that can last three days. Well, thank you so much for taking this time. My pleasure,
1: happy to help. That's all for this episode. Be sure to listen next time for the latest in regenerative medicine.
0: This podcast is a production of Wake Forest Institute for Regenerative Medicine, part of Wake Forest Baptist Medical Center. For more information, visit our website at www.wfirm.org or follow us on Facebook or Twitter at WFIRM News.